the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In 30 years, I've never seen a church that gives you more opportunities to go and be on mission on your community. Did you know every week on Fridays, you can go serve homeless either on the streets or at our location. You can make a difference just sitting and encouraging people. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. You can say this is how you find your fit at Mission Hill. Worshiping, growing, serving, and going. Let's dig into those. First of all, worship. I want you to understand something. For the Christ follower, all of life should be expressing worship to God. You understand that? Worship is not a place we go. Worship is a lifestyle that we exude. And our scriptural mandate from that is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory, the pleasure, the worship, the praise of God. So everything should be about worship. That means I I worship him personally in my individual life, and I worship him corporately when I come together in a group setting like this. So what is worship? It's showing my love, my devotion, that which I think is worth it, that which I value. The problem is, because of our sinful nature, we value things that we shouldn't and begin to worship the wrong things. Because of our sin and separation from God, we worship things that are never going to satisfy, like the acceptance of others and money and status and ourselves and the passions of this world. And when we worship those things, we're never truly satisfied. God's the only one that can meet our need. So to truly understand what worship is, we better understand what we believe about God. So one of the things we teach when we gather in a more intense time for people to become a part of our church is what are the essentials we believe about spiritual things? Because of our heritage, we simply uh, affirm a document that's been created. It's called the Baptist Faith and Message. We have a Baptist heritage. Let me give you some of the highlights. First of all, about God. We believe that God is the creator. He's the ruler of the universe. He's ex- eternally existed in three personalities, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We refer to this as the Trinity. We believe in Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. He's co-equal with the Father. He lived a sinless human life. He offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of all people by dying on a cross. And he arose three days later from the grave to demonstrate the power over sin and death. He ascended into heaven, but he will return again. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son. He's present in the world to make humans aware of our need for Jesus. But he also lives in every Christian from the moment of our salvation. 
He gives us power for living, understanding for spiritual truth, and guidance to do what is right. We believe in the importance of the Scriptures, the Bible. The Bible is God's Word. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's the supreme source of truth. It's free from error or mistake, and it can be trusted. We believe what the Bible says about us, human beings. We're made in the image of God to be like Him in character. We're God's supreme creation, the crown of His creation. However, though we have potential for tremendous good, we're all separated from God because of our sinfulness. This separates us from God and becomes a source of problems in our life, which is why we believe in salvation. And salvation is a need that every human being has. We believe God makes salvation available through Jesus Christ. It's called salvation because apart from the help of Jesus, we are doomed to punishment forever in a place called hell. God saves us from that when we look to Jesus. Jesus paid the price for our punishment. He was punished on our behalf. That's why he died on the cross. When we look and trust what Jesus did on the cross, we then are justified. It is just as if we've never sinned. It's just as if we've always obeyed. And he forgives us and we receive his grace. And he promises us eternal life. This is what we believe about eternal life. Once we trust Jesus, we have that forever. It's called eternal security. That's one of the core doctrines of our faith. We believe every believer is secure in that salvation because there was nothing you could do to earn or deserve your salvation. No matter how good you are, no matter how many times you went to church, no matter what your family went to, no matter whether or not you were baptized, you can't earn or deserve it, so you can't do something to lose it. You're eternally secure. We believe that everybody spends forever somewhere. If you are saved and you have that relationship with God through Jesus, you spend forever in heaven. We call that eternal life. If you're not saved, according to the scriptures, you spend forever in hell. The Bible calls that eternal death. Those are what we call essentials of the faith. You're not going to be tested on those, but I want you to understand something. In this church, in those areas of essential beliefs, We have to have unity. You're not going to be a member of this church and say, well, I think maybe there's other ways to be saved than Jesus. Okay, you can have that opinion. You just can't have that opinion and be a member of this church. That's an essential. Or you might say, hey, I'm I'm cool with God the Father and God the Son, but I don't know about this God the Spirit. I don't think I believe in that. Great, that's fine. You can believe what you want to believe. You can't be a member of this church and and and, and think that way, though, because these are essentials. But there's a lot of things in our faith that are not essentials. Things like uh, what you believe about how that salvation happens. It's called soteriology. We've talked a lot about this through the book of Romans. People, people differ on that. People differ on the use of charismatic gifting in the body of Christ. People differ on the role of women in the body of Christ. All of these are important things that you should understand. You should try to know what the Bible says, but they're non-essentials. In those non-essentials, we believe there's some liberty. We have some flexibility. It's just not that important. Then there are things that are really non-essential, like what you wear to church and what style of music you prefer and that's just non-essential. But in all things, we believe we have to show charity. In our church, we're just not going to get into fights about silly stuff. The Christ follower never has the liberty to be unkind. 
That's what's going to guide us. And so as you think about these things, you begin to realize that these beliefs inform our worship. They inform how we follow after Christ, how we worship him. Like I said, we worship him both personally and corporately. How do we do that? Well, we, we worship him with musical worship, praise singing. We worship through prayer, just as we were led in prayer several times already today. We worship in communion, just like Jesus commanded and the early church modeled. Now, on the first Sunday of every month in the morning, we, we gather for communion and worship, remembering the death of Christ. We worship through baptism. We do that most every service, but we're doing that in a big way. For example, this afternoon at the beach, we worship through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. As we look at the New Testament, that seemed to be a big deal. So when you gather in this church to worship, you can expect that the preacher's going to open the Bible and, and you're going to hear from the Bible. You're not just going to hear some funny anecdotes of, of what they think about how things are going in the world just to make you smile. We, we worship through giving. We're never going to be shy about God's command and call for us to be sacrificial and generous because that's scriptural. And then we worship by calling for a response. And here's what you can know in this church. Our worship's always going to be gospel-centered it's going to be Christocentric. We preach Jesus. So, that leads me to something interesting you need to know. You can't really worship if you don't know Jesus. Um, you can come and be a part of this service, we call it. This, this experience that takes place at a point in time. But you only worship a God that you have a relationship with. So maybe you're here today, just like several in our previous service, and it strikes you, you don't think you've ever done that. There's never been a point in your life where you've completely surrendered to the God of the universe. So let me just remind you how this works. The Bible says that every one of us are sinners. Every one of us. Say every one of us. That's all of us. Everybody's ever been born, we're sinners. That means we're separated from God because he is holy and that sin, if it's left undealt with, is going to have to be punished. And the punishment for sin is what I mentioned a moment ago, eternal death. Simple. That's the most simple way I can say that. But God doesn't want you to experience that. He doesn't want you to take that punishment. So Jesus took it on your behalf. That's what Romans 5, 8 says. God demonstrated his love in that while you, we, were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so what do we do if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God did raise him from the dead, we will be saved. What are we saved from? We're saved from eternal death, that punishment. What are we saved to? We're saved to life with Christ. And so the most important thing you'll ever hear us talk about in this church is what I just shared with you. And that's the most important thing we'll say today. So it'd be foolish to, to say that without giving you an opportunity to respond to it. So would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head right now? This is not the end of our service, but it may be the beginning of life change, of new life for somebody here today. If you've never begun that relationship with Christ, maybe you would just pray this prayer. You don't need my words, but sometimes it's helpful to have a guide Maybe you'd just say, dear Jesus, just you and him, dear Jesus, I know I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need to be saved. 
I believe you died in my place. I believe you're alive today. So I'm ready to receive your forgiveness. I'm ready to follow you. Here I am. I'm yours. Come into my life. Take over. I tell him thank you. I'd ask you just to humble me for another moment and keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. But if you just prayed that prayer with me, there were three or four in the first service that indicated they did. I want to give you the opportunity to let me know that. If you just prayed that prayer and began that relationship with Christ with our heads bowed, would you just lift your hand right where you're sitting just so I can welcome you to God's family? You just did that. That's the most important thing that you could ever do. Welcome to God's family, sir. Others of you that would say that. Welcome to God's family, sir. Others of you, that's the most important thing you could ever do. Welcome to God's family. So, Father, use this time to continue to build your church and to change lives just as you've done today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, I mentioned that baptism is a big part of worship for us. It's also an expectation of our members. So let me just say that clearly since that's part of our time together today. Um, If you're going to be a member of our church, you have to experience believer's baptism. And that means that you're baptized by immersion going under the water after you began your relationship with Jesus Christ. So some people have gone through an infant baptism, and and, and that's a nice thing because that's a parent saying we're dedicating this child to the Lord, but that infant doesn't know what they're doing. We believe that Scripture teaches that when you go under the water, you're representing the death of Jesus just like when he died on the cross. When you come out of that water, you're representing the new life that you have in Christ. And so if you've never experienced believer's baptism by immersion after you began that relationship with Christ, I want to invite you to do that. You can do that here any Sunday, but you can do that this afternoon by meeting me at Fort DeSoto Beach. We're going to gather there. It's going to be a great time of worship on the beach. We're going to have a cookout. And then we're going to celebrate with those who've come for believer's baptism. It's our first act of obedience and commitment. And Jesus modeled it. Why would we not follow his example? So that's the biggest part of what we do. That shouldn't surprise you because it's the biggest gathering we have, worship. If you're going to be a part of this church, we expect you to faithfully be involved in worship, personally and corporately. Secondly is grow. Say grow. Second piece of the puzzle, First Peter 2 says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow in your salvation. We believe Christ followers grow as they study God's word together. They begin to understand his truth. That's important. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We want you to have what you need to live the Christian life. And according to scripture, that happens as you get into God's word. But something strikes us. 
It strikes us that while I like you to feed back, I wish you would say amen or cheer me on. Sometimes that kind of fuels me. However, this is never going to be the setting uh, for Joanne to raise her hand and say, hey, Pastor Paul, before you go on, could I ask you a quick question? I mean, this just isn't the setting for that. But we do have a setting for that. We call it community groups. And we want every one of you to be involved in some kind of community group. Whether that's one that meets on a Sunday or whether that's some of our many that meet during the week, whether that's one that's your age or or whether that's one that's an affinity group, we want you to connect with people where you can dig deeper and study God's Word. Why? Because we believe God's Word is sufficient. We believe God's given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness and all of these struggles that you as a follower of Christ have, they can be answered by digging into God's Word. But sometimes we need somebody other than ourselves to help us get into there. I want you to understand how much we value God's Word here. We believe it's inspired by God. It's breathed by the Spirit of God. We believe it is inerrant. That means it doesn't contain falsehood. It's true. And we believe it never changes. I read again in the Bible this week, it's still true. The flowers may wither and fade, but the Word of God stands forever. We believe that you need to get into God's Word and let God's Word get into you. You need to be a disciple, a student, a pupil, studying to show yourself an approved workman of the things given to you by God. At our church, that's a place for encouragement, accountability as you grow. We want you to be involved in a community group. That's an expectation we have of our members. Worship, grow. Next word is serve. Say serve. In Romans 12, we talked about this. We talk about it often in our church. Let me just read a little bit of this passage. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Then he goes through and he lists the different gifts. What is he saying? Hey, church... We are the body of Christ, and just like your body has different parts of the body that function in different ways, you too are a big body. You all look different, but you have different roles. And if you're not doing your role in the body, if you're not serving, then the body is not functioning healthy. We're nearing the end of our time, so I might as well tell you. I've been under the weather the last few days, nothing contagious. I have an infection in my skin that's infecting my body. It's called me to feel really sick even today. What happens when part of your body is infected, when it's not functioning well? It affects everything. And so in my case, I feel a little nauseous. I'm hot and sweaty. I mean, it is no fun. That's kind of disgusting. Why am I telling you that? Because it's disgusting when God has assembled a a mosaic of beautiful pieces to his puzzle, pieces and parts to his body, but we're not doing what he created us to do. We're not functioning well. We're just sitting and soaking it in. I am so sick and tired of hearing that. I have people come up and say, hey, Pastor Paul, I love the church, but we're just going to kind of hang out for a while. We just need to soak it in. And most of the time, I'm nice. So I smile, nod, great, great. But you know what I'm thinking? You're going to stink 
Because that's what happens when you sit and soak. It's just like my washing machine. Sometimes it doesn't work. We figured out for now what we do when it doesn't work. We unplug it. We push a reset button and it starts. But sometimes when it doesn't work, we don't know it. And the stuff has sat in the washer. It's soaked in the water. And by the time we find out, it is sour. It's stinky. We got to wash it again. And the same thing happens in the church. People come in and they say, I love Jesus. I just need to sit and soak it in a while. Well, you're getting stinky. You need to serve. You need to get out there and make a difference. It's been said for years in churches, 20% of the people, the same 20% of the people do 80% of the stuff. It shouldn't be that way. It's probably not even true. I think it's more like 15% of the people do 85% of the work. And it definitely shouldn't be that way. You've got a lot to give. You can give it of your time. You can give of your talents, those things that are just who you are. Some of you are gifted at construction or you're gifted in yard work or, or you're gifted in painting and, and all these different things. You could just give back to the church and then you give of your spiritual gifts. We encourage you to get involved. Because here's the deal. We'll never be the church God wants us to be if you're depending on the people like me to do the work. We're not the hired guns to do the work of Christianity in this community. You are. According to Ephesians 4, my job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. In our church, every member is supposed to be a minister. The pastors, we're just supposed to be administers. That's why when our church is functioning properly, it's pastor-led, it's staff-directed, it's committee or uh, team-driven, it's deacon-served, and then it's congregationally affirmed because we're in this together. And if you're not pulling your weight, it's affecting all of us. And there's so much you could do. And maybe you just haven't understood that. Let me give you that benefit of the doubt. You haven't understood that there's everything uh, from from things that require no understanding of church or theology to things that require a little deeper knowledge. You could be a part of our safety team. You could be a part of our greeter, our hospitality, or first impression team. You could just go love on children in our preschool or in our, our children's ministry. You could invest in teenagers, many of them who's, who are coming from broken homes and don't have stability. Or you could teach another group of adults and share what you've learned from being poured into for all these years. At the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go to the back of this room and and just sign up for different ways that you could serve in the Lord's church here. Serve, worship, grow, serve, and then the last one, go. (laughs) I mean, that really should be our message every week. After the down note of that last song, you should just, we should be able to just to look at you and not give you any announcements. Just say, go, get out. You're sent. That's the way it's supposed to be. Remember, we're an aircraft carrier, a launching pad. You've already got your mission. They came from the words of Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we look in the book of Acts, the church started as a movement that has been degraded to a place. Some of you think of the church as this building or this place. 
That's not what the church is. It's a movement, and movement gathers around the mission, and, and Jesus made our mission clear. Make no mistake, God doesn't have a mission for the church. He formed the church to accomplish his mission. And a healthy member of our church is on mission, whether you're across the street or around the world. I grew up hearing some people pray, some people give, some people go. That's hogwash. The biblical answer is everybody prays, everybody gives something, and everybody goes somewhere. There's no excuse in this church. In 30 years, I've never seen a church that gives you more opportunities to go and be on mission on your community. Did you know every week on Fridays, you could go serve homeless either on the streets or at our location. You can make a difference just sitting and encouraging people like I did a couple of weeks ago, just encouraging a Vietnam vet who's now homeless. I mean, think of how common that is. You can make a difference in their lives. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9, here on Faith Talk Tampa. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.